Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, it's Jody, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode features Andrea Bifulco. She is the founder of Knows You, and I'm sure you're wondering what that is. She brings scent education to schools and uses her career in the fragrance industry to help kids grow. It's actually quite a fascinating story, so I hope you check it out. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Rachel Sherl. She is the chief vagipreneur, and if you don't know what that means, it means you need to tune in. I hope you enjoy the shows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this episode. I'm super excited to be joined by Andrea Bifolco. She's the founder of Nose University. Her parent company is called The Smelling Company. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited that you came, and I'm so excited that an email landed in her inbox about your organization. Did you send that email? I did. Yeah, How did you find us? Me. Well, I did a little research because I was looking for ways to get the word out there a little bit more. And somebody said to me, podcasts, because there's so many amazing things happening in the beauty industry with podcasts. So I just looked up a few, and yours seemed the most interesting to me. Oh, well, we're so glad that <laughs> you emailed us. And I guess I want our listeners to know this works, right? Absolutely. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. Make an effort, send mm-hmm. that email. Yep. So let's start with something easy. How are you spending your time today? You mean this actual yeah, day? Today, this yeah. is such a treat for me. Like I was telling you, it's just the city is nice and quiet today. So coming in on the train and walking here from Penn Station was like reinvigorates me. It's like a, a bank of, of creativity comes with the walk and the people watching and seeing the stores and the fresh air. Like this is something I don't get to do that often anymore. I used to commute in and out all the time, but this is such a treat. So just being here coming here today and going home, it's like, that's enough. Now I'll need to recover for a couple of days. <laughs> so I, um, I don't come to the city every day very often. Oh, okay. I split my time between the city and my home office and many of my team members do that as well. So when I also, I come into Penn on the train, I don't have that like haggard, uh, yeah. like angry right. commuter attitude because right. I do see it as like... Yes. A nice journey. It really is, and I miss it. But when you're doing it every day, I did it every day for six years. It's it's a lot, and it, it's cyclical. You know, you go through this stage, where you get worn out, and then it comes back, and you reinvigorate yourself. And but this is nice. It, it's a nice. It's a nice day. It's a special day. I remember. I'm excited to be here. So. I remember leaving the city. We lived here on the Upper East Side, moved to New Jersey, and then um, coming back to the city again for work. Yeah. And how. Um, more joyful it was without pushing the stroller around. Yes. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Plus, I liked the idea that it's close enough to walk. You know, when I, I used to walk to uh, uptown also, and it's just, it, it's like a built in mental and physical exercise and emotional exercise. Right. So it's nice. Like a meditation. Yeah, absolutely. And I see so many things. I, I really bring that back into my work and into my life, seeing all the, the, the energy in the city and feeling it. Well, um, you are a fragrance expert, and we're going to talk oh. about your expertise, <laughs> do a deep dive of where you've been and what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. But I want to sh- shamelessly or unshamelessly plug Base Beauty because you walked into our office, yes. and we have our Where Brains Meet Beauty candle burning. It's yes. the scent of yes. curiosity. And you started describing it, and I said, yeah. please, please, please hold it for the pod <laughs> because the words you're using are not words that I know. So um, I'm curious, what is your impression of that scent? Well, when I my first impression before you told me what it was for is that it had a material 
metallic, like an aldehydic steel type quality to it, a sharpness, but in a very refined, comforting way, not something that would be off-putting. And, it, and you know, I smell a lot of things. I don't always feel compelled to comment on them. You know, I always, only will say I like something when I do, but I wasn't expecting the story to come with it. That's amazing. But whoever, tell me again her name. Caroline Fabregas. She captured your essence very well because there's it's a fun, sparkly energy. Cool. Well, um, I hope that our fans love it too because it's available for sale on our website. Is it available now? Uh, it will be when your oh, episode right. launches. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. amazing. I'm going to have to pick one up myself. We are the only podcast with a candle. <laughs> I mean, it's such, I love this idea and this is really where I think the fragrance industry is going to. It's, it's more of um, an energy. It's capturing the energy of places, an ambiance and an aura rather than a, a scent. You know, you can't really quite put your finger on it, but mm-hmm. and the people who come here when they smell this candle, when they go, they'll and they ever smell anything like this again, it will bring them back here in their mind, and that's something special. When you put your footprint with a scent, it, people take it with them. Well, thank you for the feedback on mm-hmm. it. I'm glad that you I love, love it. it. We we love it, and then people in the hallway always tell us that they love it. Too. Yeah, and I don't. I wouldn't burn. You know, certain things I don't like to burn in the house because they're too overwhelming for just working in fragrance all the time. I, I don't tend to bring it home with me and as a purveyor you know I, I like to it's my work so I separate it but this I would burn in my house wonderful it's very clean what a great testimonial thank I would. you <laughs> I just came home from an event the other night and in the gift bag was a fragrance I will not say the brand name of the fragrance but very well known um, very prestige and my daughter opened it and I'm like you have to throw it away I know it, it was so I know it was I mean, I can't even describe, I was so overwhelmed by how overwhelming yes. it was. And that's what I enjoy about what I do because I'm on the outside of it. I don't have to wear something to experience it. I can smell it. But when I put it on me, it's a whole different a whole different experience. And I, I didn't wear perfume before I started in this industry. I still don't. So I like that I get to be on the outside looking in, evaluating, you know, discussing, but not always consuming and, and wearing. Right. So, we do have to evaluate on our skin at right. times, but I don't have to, you know, wear it. Well, let's talk about um, your expertise. I, I love the story of how you found yourself in the fragrance industry. Take us way back to um, why you came to New York. Well, I was, um, I graduated from college and I was wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to write and that was my passion and that was what I was doing and nobody was going to tell me any of anything other. So I came to New York um, to be a journalist and was living in Jersey and had this stopover in uh, at Estee Lauder as a temp. And I, I, it's crazy how I didn't realize how lucky I was. I was just following a path that was laid out for me. It was there and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do this for a little while. And I had no idea I was stepping into a destiny. I just thought I'll you know, rest here for a minute. So you went to like a temp agency and said, I just need mm-hmm. a job? Yes. And it, and it came to me very uh, easily, which I wasn't expecting either. And it was in packaging, which, you know, I know nothing about that. I have no background. I was just filling in for someone who's having surgery. And I worked for this wonderful man who was uh, very paternal, very, very, look, he looked out for me. I was young and naive and you know, taking my peanut butter sandwich to work every day because I had no money. So he was just looking out for me when he said there's an opening in fragrance. It was right down the hall. 
he said, there's an opening there and you should really look into it. These jobs are, they, they don't come up too often and it's a great job. And he was so right. So at that moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to, um, push aside my dreams of being a newspaper no. journalist? No, because again, young, you don't realize that there comes a point where you have to choose a path. I just thought again, like, okay, I'll do this. And I could still do that. I'll still pursue that. And I still did write and I did look into things. But as soon as I fell in love, I guess it's like dating. You know, you can, once you fall in love with something, everything else is done. Right. So um, what was the interview process like? for this job and what was the job uh, the job was for a coordinator I think was the title in fragrance corporate fragrance development and I met with who is uh, a woman who is so lovely and it's still still a very close friend a family friend now um, I met with her first and then she explained I would be meeting with the with the head of the of corporate fragrance development and I did and I was completely myself and not nervous or you know not understanding where I was or what I was doing and I got the job I didn't even you know I didn't even have a nervousness I think ever before then and ever since then I've been nervous and and when I left I was clinging to the hope oh gosh I hope that I got it or I hope I made a good impression I didn't have that at that time for some reason I just thought well if it works it works so this was a coordinator position within the fragrance group. Yes. And did you even know really what that no. group was doing? No. I had no idea. So you didn't even have like, uh, you weren't like doing your research. No. Um, coming in no. super well prepared. No. In fact, I, it's so funny you say that because I was thinking about this the other night. I, I, am, I am unapologetically myself and I, I always make mistakes in life and I always just make a fool of myself and I have learned just to own up to that. I have these cringeworthy moments all the time. But when I was younger, I had them all the time. But I, I so didn't understand what I was doing that I brought in my portfolio portfolio of all my writing. I have no idea why. It's all I had. I was like so proud of it. I had like back then I had an actual like physical, like printed out right. like, all my physical, like my, my articles that I had written in like a laminate. <laughs> and I brought them in. I remember the woman, we still laugh about this sometimes. Cause she looked at it and she, it was, she, I swear there was like a tear. She was like, Oh, you dear thing. Like, it's so sad. Like I just didn't know where I was. What I was doing. That's just, I just felt like, here's me, here's what I have. And it's just funny because I was so far from my goal, but of being a journalist, but not really because I found, I found some sort of journalistic path within my chosen career of fragrance. Okay. So let's talk about that group. Um, you know, you started as a coordinator, mm -hmm. you stayed there for quite some time. Yeah. What were you tasked with? At first I was, well, it took a long time to learn the ropes. I will say that because like I said, this is a group that stuck together there. Many of the same people are still there. So, uh, it's a wonderful job and a wonderful group. So I had a lot to learn and I was way over my head when I first started. I was, Oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. And, um, we had great responsibilities. Like I said, we were, you know, meeting with Mrs. Lauder and there was, uh, we were involved with, with upper management a lot. So I really wanted to do a good job. And so I was, um, I wasn't stressed before I got the job, but then once I got the job, I was like, okay, I am in it. I am ready to go. So I had a lot of learning to do and I, um, observed a lot because we, um, in our midst, 
while I'd be filing or writing emails, the perfumers and the noses and the evaluators and the, the vice president and the president, they would all, and Mrs. Lauder, everyone's talking and evaluating and discussing and um, giving opinions, giving direction, giving advice. So I heard this language. This, this language of scent start emerging. And it was very foreign to me. It was literally as if they're speaking another language. And they all seemed to understand. That's what was so interesting to me. But then if they gave me a bladder, the same thing they were smelling, and I smelled it, I was not seeing what they were seeing. Mm -hmm. So my genuine thought in the beginning was, are, are they making this up? <laughs> like, what are they, how are they seeing this? And then it wasn't until I received my own training and it wasn't until I learned that language that everything they were saying made sense. So that's when it clicked in my mind that this was a language mm -hmm. and this was a process of understanding and this was a process of communication. And I had to learn that language because speaking with a perfumer is like speaking with an artist. You, you can't you know just walk in and t pretend like you know what you're talking about because you have no idea where their creative process comes from. You can take a guess, but it's like looking at a piece of art and saying, well, the, the artist was feeling this, this, mm -hmm. and this while they, you can maybe guess, but you always have to come to it with a humble sense of this is their work, not mine. And how many years did you stay in that group? I was there for about six years, mm -hmm. six wonderful years. I have such a romantic idea of my time there. It was so wonderful. It really was. It's such a great group. And I think we talked about this briefly, that it was like a little family in this big corporation. It was very special. What was the job title you had when you were um, leaving? I left there as an assistant manager, I believe. Mm. And I didn't wasn't ready to go, but I had, had my first child. And, you know, things get complicated then. And I tried really, really hard. But in the end, I had to make that choice. And I, when I went into my boss, I said to myself, don't cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. And, of course, I walked in there. And I, I wasn't even prepared to do it that day. But I just realized I had to do it or I would never do it. Mm -hmm. And life swept in and took me in. It was amazing how that worked out, too. You use this um, word evaluator. Mm -hmm. What does that mean in fragrance? That means that we're smelling the work of perfumers and we're evaluating in which direction it needs to go. So in that case specifically, it can have several different applications, but while I was there, my job was working with the uh, senior vice president and the other evaluators. We would go between a fragrance house and a designer, and we were the liaison between going back and forth communicating and smelling until we reached a goal. Mm -hmm. Usually what the designer, you know, their initial idea of what they wanted, we would go back and forth to the, the fragrance house and the perfumers and the, and the designer until we got there. So that sounds like a really challenging position, right? Because you're talking to a fragrance expert on one end, mm -hmm. right? Your nose, mm -hmm. the fragrance house, and then someone on the other end who's not a fragrance expert right. necessarily. Yes. Um, and they don't have six years to learn the language right. of that industry. So how do you even do that job? I feel like designers were very, because I, I worked in the designer fragrance, so so I had, um, mostly we were working with designers, uh, fashion designers, and they had their own creative language. So again, to me, it, um, I always felt humbled in the fragrance industry. I feel like you, or in, as an evaluator, you always have to know that you don't know everything. So that always helped me coming at it from a place of curiosity and not trying to tell them 
what they were trying to say, but really trying to understand what they were trying. So if they said, I want it to smell like this cashmere scarf that I picked up in Paris, you know, in, in last year, of fall of last year, we had to interpret, what does that mean? You know, and instead of saying, oh, that they must feel like they want this, this, mm -hmm. this, it was more of saying, okay, how can we interpret what they're what they're wanting. Right. So There's a lot um, of communication. It's kind of like being a reporter, though, yeah. right? Yes. See, that's right. Sussing out yes. those details. Yes, and that's what I did. I, I realize now, looking back, is that I came to it. I found the aspects of it that that made sense to me and approached it in that way. Right. Okay. So this is so fascinating. I want to I want to speed ahead because I want to have a lot of time to talk about. Nose University, because I told you I have a personal goal, which is to raise money for this incredible <laughs> organization that you've developed. So um, you. what is Nose University? So Nose University is a company that I started to teach children about their sense of smell. Children as young as pre-K, middle school, teens, and also adults. I do programs with adults also. So this is um, very important to me because I feel like, again, that language is something that you can learn at a young age and it adds this vivid layer to your life. Once you've learned how to understand and describe sense and the sense around you, you key into them more. You're more attuned. When you walk in somewhere, you're not just passively being, you know, fed sense and your senses are not just passive. Once you're awakened, you can really fully in interact with everything around you. All five of your senses should be you should be in tune. Right. So it's almost like um, teaching another layer of mindfulness. Yes. Uh, yes, I, I, I agree with that. I do approach it in that way because it, for me, smelling is meditative. When I smell and when I evaluate, I go inward. And it took a long time to find that inner stillness and to... to um, trust my instincts. You really have to trust your instincts when you smell because you can overthink it. Kind of like you were saying about the email, which I which I overthought. Right. Okay, we're going to talk about that too. <laughs> yes. But I, you, you know, I tend to overthink things, so it did take a long time, and it was an exercise, something that I needed to achieve to learn how to trust my instincts. And I didn't do that on my own. My mentor and the person who taught me at IFF, his name is Ron Winograd. He. He taught me over the years, he teaches at perfumery school, how to find that stillness, that certainty, and that instinct and follow it. So what was the moment that inspired Nose University? There were several. I, I, I don't know if there was one. I think it was a culmination over the years of little, little seeds. Um, when I worked at Estee Lauder, we did uh, a workshop with children. They were, it was, I think it was in Lower, Lower East Side, I want to say. We went to the school, and it was part of a larger program. They were learning about scents from inception to launch. So they were doing marketing and packaging and all sorts of advertising, all sorts of different things. And the fragrance development part was just a little piece. So we went into a classroom, and we taught kids. It was crazy. We had actual, we had the liquid, you know, we had solution. They were, they had pipettes. They were mixing. It was a mess. There was fragrance everywhere, but they had so much fun. I was so young. I didn't, children were not in my mind, but I always thought back, like, how nice that was. Mm -hmm. And um, also, I used to, I used to volunteer with these two lovely women at the Lighthouse Guild. Um, it was right around the corner from, from Estee Lauder, and I would read them their mail. 
on Thursdays after work, I would walk over there and we, they were, they were both um, blind. So I would read them their mail. And every time I came in, I always had all these scents on my mm-hmm. arms. They would, that first thing they wanted to do, they want to smell, what's this, what's this, what's this. So, you know, studies have shown like that's, that's a myth that um, people who are visually impaired have a stronger sense of smell. But at the time, you know, we had done some, there were programs back and forth with the lighthouse. So there were a couple things going on there. I was seeing that there was, there were other approaches to scent, you know, and, and I was interested in that. So when I had my own children, from the time they could smell and, you know, engage with the smells on my arms, they did. And we talked about it and they would smell the things on my arms and we would discuss and, um, as they got older, they got pretty good at it. And the two of them would talk to each other. Oh, I love the smell. I don't like the smell of lemon. And everything we touched, everything we cooked, every time we'd go to the market, every time we'd go to the store, we would smell things and talk about it. And then um, one of my children's teachers asked if I could do a, a little push-in program about the sense of smell. And when I did it, the kids had such a great time. They just lit up. They were having fun. They were talking. They were, you know, interacting. They were engaging. And I saw it just, it was like color in motion. It was like, I couldn't believe what, what was happening. And they were really good at it. That's the other thing. Kids are really good at smelling and, and describing what they smell and talking about what they smell. And that day, I remember I had, because I've always been fascinated with um, memory recall, and when you smell something, it takes you back somewhere. That's a a very large part of what I do with these programs. We talk about scent memories. So I almost didn't ask this group. They were uh, third graders. I was going to ask them what their favorite scent memory was, and I thought, I don't know. They're pretty young. Do they still do they have scent memories mm-hmm. yet? Like that's, but I did because I saw how much fun they were having, and I'm like, let me just throw this out there. So I asked them what their favorite scent memories were, and every single kid in the class raised their hand. I had to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'll, I'll get to you all. <laughs> and I, they, I, the things they came up with were incredible. I love the smell of barbecue, and not only that, but they had an emotion that was attached to it. Mm-hmm. I love the smell of barbecue because it reminds me of being with my dad. I love the smell of pancakes because me and my grandma make pancakes, and the maple syrup. Every time I taste maple syrup, I think of her. I love the smell of uh, popcorn because I go to the movies with my mom and like things like that. And then this one kid almost knocked me off my chair. He said he was the quietest one. He raised his hand. And he said, "I love the smell of." I love the smell of fresh cut grass because it reminds me of sports and the nervous feeling I get before I'm about to play a game. Wow, that's really intuitive. (laughs) Me and the teacher looked at each other from across the room. We were both like, oh my gosh, it's deep. Yeah. So I realized then there was there was something there and that not many people ask kids about this kind of stuff and they really want to talk about it and they have a lot to say and they're really good at it. So I was like, why not? Okay. So I love this. Tell me what you think, um, the benefits of educating children around scent and scent language. Mm -hmm. Like how does it help them become better, healthier adults? Well, like you said, the mindfulness is a big part of it because there's so much coming at kids 
now there's so much they're doing so much they're engaging in so much so learning to go inward and really meditate and think about things even just smelling so when you hold a bladder and you close your eyes and you smell I teach them how to smell because you'd be surprised you show someone a bladder and they don't know what to do with mm-hmm. it they're like mm-hmm. you know what do I do so I show them how and I, I model it for them and that's one part. So learning to go inward and to be mindful and to take a minute, close everything out, you know, block everything out and listen to your own voice. That's one. So there's like a, a mindfulness and a wellness aspect. There's an instinctual um, memory recall type thing, which is interesting for children because they, th- that is the cornerstone of what they're going to do when they get older and they're, they're studying. So teaching them about memory recall, describing something, you know, giving them a bladder mm-hmm. of orange, and then later giving them the bladder and saying, what do you smell? So there's like a memory recall, which is good. It's good for them to practice and learn how to recall a scent. Uh, there's uh, the teamwork aspect of it, which is very nice in a classroom. We break them up into groups, and then they, they discuss amongst themselves. And I teach them about uh, a healthy disagreement in fragrance, you know, aside from maybe debate, I don't know that there's many things that you can have a, a very healthy uh, discussion right. about where you see something, you love the smell of rose, I hate the smell of rose, you smell, you know, something putrid, I smell something beautiful, and it. neither of us are wrong, it's just that we look at it differently so why do we look at it differently we talk about it mm-hmm. so learn to respect the other and what they're saying is not wrong but different and how do we talk about that and respectfully disagree and right to so that point is really interesting to me because I, I mean as a parent I mm-hmm. deal with this right yeah. like the two kids oh my one gosh of them has night and day to, right so they, it's very black and white someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong yeah. in their mm-hmm. mindset and that's just not reality mm-hmm. that's not life mm-hmm. um but this, I love this idea of like this healthy debate, respect right. for each other's point of view. There yeah. is no right, there is no wrong. And learning to communicate with each other. As, as an evaluator, we are communicating with perfumers. We can never assume that we know what's in their mm-hmm. formula. You know, so we have to, you always have to approach something with a curiosity rather than a, you know, an idea that you know everything. So there's that. And there's also a cultural, you know, we talk about, the kids will smell pine. For some kids, it smells like Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. For some kids that don't celebrate Christmas, it has no connotation to them. Right. It just smells like something green and fresh. And so, you know, culturally, what are the different spices you use in your home? What, what, where did you travel that this reminds you? Mm-hmm. You know, what location? What, what kind of history do you have in your household? So those type of things come out, and they have the funniest things to say. It's amazing. And and scientific. You know, we talk about molecules. We mm-hmm. talk about the bi- biology of scent. We talk about the anatomy of the nose and what happens in the olfactory system, how it all works. You know, we laugh a lot. We talk about boogers, and they love to get grossed out. <laughs> what, what are, how do boogers relate to scent? <laughs> well, we talk about the nose. And this is always how I – This is, because you have children, so you know you have to approach them from a relatable Aspect. So when I first come in, we, we talk about the nose uh-huh. and how the nose works and what it does and how it functions. And so then we talk about boogers and they love it and mm-hmm. they all laugh. And so that's, um, that's kind of my whole approach to this is transparency and fun. This is nothing serious. 
they're having a great time. It's colorful and it's all transparent and they're having a good time. Okay. So I want to use the rest of our time together mm -hmm. on air to talk about, um, how to grow Nodes University mm -hmm. because right now it's completely self-funded, yes. right? You're super bootstrapped. You're yes. crafting things yourself, yes. creating your own lesson plans. Mm -hmm. And um, I would love for we, us to use a, this show as a platform for you to get donations and support I from our industry that. because um, I think when people in our industry hear about what you're doing, they will want to support it either personally or through the, their corporations that they work for. I really appreciate that. And I, I like I told you, we, we I haven't reached out to this point because I spent, I wanted to spend a long time proving the concept and seeing, you know, fleshing out where the, they, where this will go and really refining it to a point. And then we're there. So I'm, I'm ready for that. I probably wasn't ready last year when I was building and growing, but definitely now I'm ready to move forward. I want as many kids as possible to learn about this industry and to also benefit from all the scientific, the STEM aspects of it are huge. And teachers need this and kids need this too. Right, so I, um, this is a call to our listeners. Like <laughs> there's an opportunity for um, sponsorship and partnerships Definitely. and um, ways to help support the growth of mm -hmm. this initiative because you're one person, one person, right? But I can very easily see this becoming, you know, you you train a team of that's teachers, right? Yes, that's my goal. That's my goal. But it takes money. It takes money. It takes time. And as you know, you can't, as one person, it's very humbling when you start a business on your own, you realize as much as you want to do everything, you, you cannot. And it's, limit, it's limiting and that can be frustrating because as you want to share with so many people do so many cool things, but you just have to, you know, take that all in stride. Right. So, um, how could an individual or company reach out to you if they wanted to, um, become a partner of yours? They can find me at uh, www.nosuniversity.com or at, uh, Instagram at nose underscore university. Um, or they can, you know, find me through you or however, you know, however they'd like to find me, they can find me. I'm always around. <laughs> so let's talk about who would be really interesting partners. Like would fragrance houses be interesting yes. partners? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because since I started this, I have seen so many amazing things. As soon as I started to scratch the surface, so many cool things happening in this industry. Amazing. People just doing the coolest initiatives. Just amazing. So I'm open to anything. That's the nice thing about this is there are no, there are no limits to it. We can do whatever we want to do. We can make it, you know, learning about scent and food and molecular astronomy or learning about, you know, scent and art. However we want to do it, we can do it. So there are no limitations. Scent is everywhere and it's one, you know, it permeates everything. So Okay. It has a million yeah. different applications. What you're doing for the industry and why I think that the industry should get behind you, um, and not just fragrance, but any any beauty partner, um, you're training your future people who work in the business. Yes. You're also training the future consumer. Yes. Right? To be discerning, yeah. to be thoughtful, Absolutely. to be mindful, mm -hmm. and um, look at scent in a, in a non-passive way. Right. right. And I feel like it's already going in that way to some extent, right? People want to be transparent. They want to know a lot about their products. They want to be involved in the process. I want to start that grassroots from the beginning so that it's not a catch-up, that you don't feel like you're on this side and you know your products are on that side or your, your brands or whatever is there and you, there's a divide. I want it to be that kids grow up, these future olfactive geniuses, they grow up knowing 
all about their sense of smell and all about their likes and dislikes and why and how to describe it and how to engage with products in an interactive way. Well, I am so grateful that you reached out to us because this is like why we exist as a pod to be able to help tell these stories and, you know, bring them to new people. What you guys do is incredible. I'm happy that we connected too. And that's the, that's the benefit of throwing at, you know, something out there. Sometimes it comes back. That's right. So we, we were offline talking about, um, you know, raising money and Mm -hmm. I suggested, um, this is a really, well, right now we're recording it's November right right before Thanksgiving. And there's a lot of companies that have end of year money available and they have to spend it, right? As you know, the budget's like, they don't win awards for not spending their budget. Um, So this is actually a really good time for you to email your contacts and let them know that $100 makes a difference, $500 makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly more than that can make a huge impact Mm -hmm. in bringing this and making it accessible for more kids. Um, So did you send that email? Not yet. You you specifically told me, as if we had been friends for many years, you said, don't overthink think this and I, I was like I'm not gonna or I think you said spend eight minutes yeah I, it's been a little bit more than eight minutes but I overthought it and overthought it but again um you are 100% right because not only does it make a difference for me more importantly it makes a difference for the teachers and the schools some schools have budget for an extracurricular activity some have none mm-hmm. and for me I want every kid to have this opportunity not just those who can afford it the schools that can afford it so up until this point I've been absorbing if there's a school that wants to do it that can't afford I just do it anyways it's that important to me so it's it's more for I want more schools, more children to have the opportunity to experience their sense of smell and to learn about it. Well, I hope our listeners can help. I'm super excited to hear feedback. Yes, me too. Because really, the most important thing I feel that I'm doing is introducing these children to a whole field of expertise that they never knew existed. There's perfumers, there's compounders, there's researchers, there's evaluators, there's chemists, you know, there's coders, there's everything out there that they didn't know about. So when that light bulb goes off for these kids and I see it happen, they're like, oh, you know, I see girls think like, okay, here, I can be a scientist and boys say, I can be a perfumer. Mm -hmm. And I show them what it's all about. I want them to think, I want to be that when I grow up. I can do that. I'm inspired by that. And I see like all the amazing aspects of it. So that's my, that's my biggest goal is to show these kids what they can do. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and story with us today. Thank so you for awesome. having me. This is so much fun. I'm thank super you. grateful. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Andrea. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates at the sh- about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.